Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, last month, I had the privilege of speaking at the Acts 29 North America Conference. I gave a message there entitled Brothers and Sisters on Mission Together. That's an issue that I am passionate about and one that continues to require care and attention. Well, I'm sharing the audio from that message here on this 99th episode of All Things. Can you guys believe it? 99 episodes. So you can also see video of the message if you prefer that if you go to acts29.com. This message is really brief. It's just about 18 minutes long as it was one in a series of shorter TED style talks. My hope is that it's an encouragement to you wherever you serve, whether that's in professional ministry or lay ministry in your local church. And as as always, I'm so thankful for you listening in. Well, good morning. It is great to be with you guys again after a fun evening last night. Um, as I mentioned yesterday, this is my hometown, and I am thrilled to be welcoming you to my city and just proclaiming Christ with you here in Denver. We planted this uh, beautiful group of people in the fourth row right there. We planted Redemption Parker about five years ago, and the network has been such a blessing to us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being on mission with us for the last five years. You all have equipped us, you have encouraged us, you have cheered for us. We have been on the receiving end of so much goodness from this network. So I just wanna say thank you and acknowledge that it's good to be together, to be sharpening each other and encouraging each other. Well, you already know what I'm gonna talk about. You've already seen the title of my message, so let's get right to it. I think the theme of our conference, Convictional Faithfulness, lends itself really well to this issue of brothers and sisters being on mission together. This issue persists in being difficult. No matter where we turn, whether it is broader issues, broader headlines, broader news out there in our nation amongst various denominations, whether it's in here in our network or in our churches, local incidents, things that come up in our own faith families, in our own communities, whether it's national or whether it's local, this persists in being difficult. We have a hard time thriving as brothers and sisters on mission together. Every time something new comes up, every time there's new news or I hear of a new thing, I worry. My ministry feels precarious. The ministry of all the women in here feels uncertain. I visualize the very normal interactions that I have with my brothers, the men who are my peers and my friends, the men who are leaders and elders in my church, the men who are in here, the men that I serve alongside in the network and in the broader church outside of here. I visualize those very normal interactions and I wonder if they are at risk. I wonder if I will get to continue relating to my peers and my brothers. I wonder if the progress and the unity and the growth and the strides that we've made together, if it's going to stall right here, or if there's gonna be some hesitation and some guardedness in the way that I'm treated in these church circles. And I wonder that for my sisters in here, the women that I serve alongside and labor alongside, is that gonna happen to them? We do feel this sense of uncertainty. In this moment, we feel a sense of concern, of question. So prior to coming to Colorado, coming back home to Colorado, we lived overseas. 
We were missionaries for about 15 years in Japan as well as the Czech Republic. And I have had the joy and the privilege of being on ministry teams across the globe where my perspective has been valued, invited in. I know that is a privilege and it's a gift and I don't take it for granted. But time and time again, myself and the women I work with, the women that I've been on teams with in Asia, in Europe, now in Colorado, our voices have been valued and we've been invited to the table. We've been asked to push forward the work of the church. That's a gift. And because I've had that vantage point for more than two decades, because I have seen the fruit and the blessing that flows from that, the gifts and the power and the joy and the beauty that flows from men and women being on mission together, brothers and sisters locking arms, working together, I can tell you it's something we don't want to miss. I have seen the beauty of men and women exchanging wisdom, exchanging insight, exchanging sensitivity, perspectives, care, discipleship. I've seen that God-ordained synergy that you only get when both men and women, brothers and sisters, lock arms and move forward in the kingdom. In this moment, it feels like there's just a fresh question mark over that. Is that what we're going to persist in? Will that be what we continue pursuing? Or is it going to stall out here? Or are we even at risk of regressing, pulling back from that, moving backwards a little bit? And I know everybody in here on some level has this question because I've been talking to you. I've been talking to people inside my own church, inside my state, but also across the country. Even last night, chatting with a handful of men and women. We're all wondering anew, are we doing it right? We want to honor the Lord. We want to honor each other. But we're wondering anew, am I doing okay? Are my text messages okay? Are my emails okay? Are my in-person interactions okay? Are these conversations I'm having okay? We all wonder that. And I know for a lot of you in here, pastors, brothers, men and women who are leading in various ways, you already have a lot going on. You already have so much on your plate. Your burdens are already heavy. Your to-do list is already too long. So maybe you see this message title, maybe you're hearing these words and you're like, come on. I do not wanna add one more thing. I cannot add one more thing. One more thing that is risky. One more thing that is potentially explosive. One more thing that is going to be a ton of work. It's too much. It's too much to navigate. I don't know exactly how to do it. I don't know exactly who to lock arms with. This is too much. I understand that feeling. I know there are leaders in here who out of an abundance of caution or maybe total exhaustion, you just wanna retreat into the corners. You want to pursue isolation where it is safer. I get that. But here's what I know about you. Here's what I know about your church because this is true about me and this is true about my church and this is true about our entire network. We are here for the glory of God. We are here because we want Jesus Christ to be known to the ends of the earth. We are here because we want our people to thrive. 
We want the men and women in our churches and our communities to know Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. We want them to have the abundant life. We want them to have eternal life. That's why you're in this room. But here's what else I know about you and me and our churches and our network. Church planting, leading churches, ministering to people is risky. All of it. Every single component of what you have done as a church planter or church leader has been risky. And none of you have run away from it. Everyone in here chose to move toward risk. Everybody in here counted the cost and went for it, for the glory of God and the joy of all people. You would not be sitting in this room if you weren't a risk taker. You would not be sitting in this room if you didn't have convictional faithfulness and made a choice to go toward what is hard and toward what is good. So in light of our deeply held convictions, and in light of our deep desire to be faithful, what does convictional faithfulness look like in our brother-sister relationships as we seek to pursue the mission together? Well, in times of uncertainty, you know this, when you don't know what to do, the best thing to do is go back to what you do know. Return to that which is true, that which is unchanging, that which has never wavered, which is the same yesterday, the same today, and is going to be the same tomorrow. We return to God's word, and we remind each other of what is true. We help one another remember what is true. So then, let's remember that the brother-sister designation, that brother-sister label, is the primary way the New Testament identifies all of us. The main name for the church is brothers and sisters. The New Testament is saturated with that. We are family. I am your sister. You are my brothers and sisters. We have been adopted by the Father. We have been reconciled to him, and we've been reconciled to each other. We belong to each other. We are actually each other's keeper. We are brothers and sisters. Let's remember that we come from a long legacy, a long history of brothers and sisters on mission together, and that legacy started with Jesus Christ himself. Let's remember that our Lord and Savior did not pull back from women. Let's remember that Christ himself went toward women, trusted women, ministered to women, invited the ministry of women, partnered in the gospel with women. That is our God. Let's remember the Apostle Paul who followed in Jesus' footsteps and did the very same thing. Earlier this year, the pastors from our church preached through the book of Romans, everybody's favorite book in here, I know. And it was a delightful series, obviously super, super rich. But when we got to Romans 16, I'll be honest, I was especially excited. Romans 16 might look like just a bunch of hellos and goodbyes to you, but have you ever noticed all of the women in Romans 16? It thrills me because what we see in Romans 16 is that women were absolutely vital to the mission of the early church. These are not throwaway names. These are not afterthoughts. These were not women who were added to the staff once everything else was done. 
these are names inspired by the Holy Spirit to be recorded by Paul. We have Phoebe, we have Prisca, we have Mary, we have Junia, we have Tryphena, Tryphosa, Persis, we have Rufus's mom, we have Julia, we have Olympus. We have women in here that Paul says were hard workers in the Lord. Women who risked their lives, actually, to be on mission with Paul. We have names in here and those who are not named women who absolutely had to be on mission for the early church to succeed. Women ordained, called, and equipped by God to participate in the early church. Let's remember the legacy of the early church. Let's remember that in the first century, women were rejected, cast aside, treated very poorly. But the first Christians followed in the footsteps of Jesus and in the footsteps of Paul, and they invited women in not only to worship, but to work, to advance the kingdom. Women were invited, in fact, in such a way that was so countercultural, so contrasted to the world out there, that this is one thing that set our faith ablaze. The first century looked at the church, looked at the way they dignified one another, the way they cared for one another. And that is one reason our faith is a global faith. Let's remember that the New Testament says, whether it's in a letter to the Romans or the Corinthians or the Ephesians, we are many parts. We are a diverse body and we have diverse gifts, but we have one spirit. We are unified. You and I are one together with our many gifts. Let's remember that Paul says the whole body is necessary for the whole body. We cannot let one member be amputated. We cannot let one member be atrophied. The whole body must be present for discipleship, care, leadership, sharpening one another, caring for one another. The whole body must be present for the whole body. So here's my question for you. How will you as an Acts 29 church respond? In this moment that was ordained by the Lord that you and I would be involved in church leadership right here, right now, in our network, in this context, how will you respond to this moment? How will you steward this moment in time? I'm not here to give you specific ideas. I'm not here to make a list of recommendations for your specific context. You have each other for that. You have teams for that and you have the spirit By all means, walk in wisdom. By all means, walk in accountability and in love together. But do something. A lot of you are here with your teams this afternoon or later tonight or tomorrow. You can start this conversation. What are we going to do as an Acts 29 church? What are we going to do with this moment? Brothers, those of you who are elders, shepherds, and pastors, Hebrews 13 says you will give an account for how you engage women in your community. And sisters, your role is different, but it also requires a lot of faith. It requires you to step out. It requires you to put yourself out there, to identify how the Lord has made you and equipped you and called you. I'm familiar with that struggle. I was up at 4.22 this morning thinking about this message and the faith that would be required to share it with you. 
Let us choose faith. Let us walk in faith in this specific moment because again, we are all after the glory of God and the joy of all people. We are all after that. And we all have endured a lot of risk already to that end. This is another opportunity for you to exercise risk. Faith, exercise faith in the face of risk. To exercise faith in the face of hard work. So my question for you is, what will be your motive? What is going to motivate you right now? Will you be motivated to see God glorified and to see every person in your community thrive? Is that what will drive your behavior? Is that what will drive your decisions? Or will you be motivated by mitigating risk? Will that be your motive? Will you be driven by the least risky path, the least work possible? Choose your motive. Here's what's crazy. So I spend my days reading, researching, speaking, and writing about culture. That's just my wheelhouse, that's how God made me, and that has been a joy for me to do that. But here's what I know as somebody who studies culture. This very issue is the exact felt need of the people outside our churches. Our communities are wrestling out there with the very issue that we're wrestling with in here. The men and women in our communities are wondering, what does it mean to be made male and female? The boys and girls are wondering, what does it mean to be made boys and girls? What does it mean to relate to one another? This issue is in here as well as out there. There is tremendous chaos and a lack of peace when it comes to that in the world. But we are called and equipped to be a city on a hill and to be a bright light. You and I have answers to those questions. You and I know the creator who made us male and female and made us good. You and I have the peace that we can offer this generation for the very issues and questions that they are facing right now. This is a moment, brothers and sisters, for us to shine. This is a crossroads moment. How will you steward it? Will you retreat in fear? What's safe? Mitigate risk. Or will you move forward, move toward one another in faith? This is a chance for you and me to display God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wanna invite you to do that, brothers and sisters. Let's lock arms together to advance the mission. Thank you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.